What an honor to have Paul Gowder on the Big Ticket Life Show this week with us. You know, when uh, my amazing producer, Chris Stone, said, hey, we got Paul confirmed for the show. And Paul gets like tens of thousands of people together in these communities. I said, whoa, I'm kind of in the presence of a big deal. So, Paul, welcome to the show, my friend. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. So, you know, we'll get into who Paul is and what he does, but, you know, man, I just love what you've been able to do with powwows.com because it's it's a niche. It's such a unique niche and it just shows and it proves that in our country, you are able to achieve success and there's no shortage of ways to create value for people and bring people together and overlay that with something you're passionate about. So why don't you dig into um, uh, what, what you've done, what you've built. You've built it with your wife, as I understand. Yes. Been, you, get, you've been, you kind of measure powwows.com and the same as years of marriage, which how many years are you up to by now? 26. Uh -oh. There we go. Um, I know we've done our 25th anniversary. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we got married and started powwows.com really just about the same year. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, I, we titled this episode, um, uh, building, um, Jesus just went right off the top of my head, building massive communities, I think is what we titled it. And, um, so let, let's, I'm going to kind of take a left turn right out of the gate. Um, so obviously powwows are a native American cultural tradition. It's ingrained in Native American culture. Obviously, our nation, uh, for those listening and watching, it, it goes without saying, although I don't know, I'm still saying it. Uh, there's been a tragic uh, history there. And I think it's appropriate to kind of talk a little bit about it and get your perspective, because if you're going to build a community, you have to address the foundation of the community and, and where everybody getting involved comes together in the parts and pieces of that. So why don't you give us a little bit of uh, history and your perspective on bringing people together through powwows.com? Yeah, I mean, it's a great point that Native people in this country and in Canada have, have not had a great history, uh, especially their relationship with the government. Um, and, and there's there's been lots of issues over the years that, that we know, you know, Trail of Tears and... Um, now you're seeing a lot of stories come out about some of these residential schools and the abuse that was done. It's a, it's an incredibly tragic history. And when I, when I, back in the nineties, when some friends were first introducing me to powwows, that was one of the things that you're, that will take you back the first time you go to a powwow is not just how vibrant and alive that the community still is and the culture still is, but how patriotic Across the country, you'll see Native people are incredibly patriotic. They they love being a part of this country, even with that uh, rough past. Um, Native people serve in the military higher than any other racial demographic um, by percentage. Obviously, not by sheer numbers because it's a very small group, right. but in percentages, they they serve in a high number, and it, it's it's an interesting dichotomy, right? That that 
with these problems they still serve. But wh- one of the things we found is when I first you know entered this whole world of powwows is that it, it is community. And whether you're going to a local powwow or you're going to one of these big, huge, massive uh, powwows that happen um, once a year, there is a community there and there's a group of people who, who travel together and, you know, week to week they're, they're together. Um, and so you, you kind of become part of this bigger thing. And it, it's an, it's an incredible group of people. And, and um, it was so welcoming back when I first learned it. And that was, that was kind of one of the reasons I started building this. I mean, first I, I really started building web pages. It was just a, as a hobby to kind of teach myself how to do the whole HTML thing back when all this was just coming out. But really then, as I started to learn more about powwows and started, you know, some friends were introducing me, helping me make my first outfits and teaching me how this, what the songs meant and all that. It, it was my way of, too, sharing what I was learning because I was so excited about, you know, the stuff I was, the people were showing me. I was like, I got to show other people, right? I want to share this. And uh, yeah, that, that was kind of how it all started. And from the beginning, it was community. It was people... Uh, seeing these pages early on and wanting to engage with each other. Love it. Love it. And I mean, you started this, you know, I always, I always work to do a little bit of recon and research on my guests and, you know, uh, you, you referenced on another show, uh, you bought from a local computer store. I think it was a product or a package called internet in a box. (laughs) It's just like, I was rolling in the car as I listened, as you said that, um, because, yeah, like that's the way it was done. You bought a software right. package and you did. Yeah, yeah, it came with like an FTP. Just, a, yeah, it came with a little FTP tool, a, a, a WYSIWYG editor, you know, all these little things that you could piece together and start playing with this whole web thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Just absolutely wild how it started. And so, you know, it, again, I, I want to I wanna set the table here about the success ingredients of building good communities. And again, we, we were approaching this through your heritage, your descendant, Cherokee nation descendant. Is that correct? Am I saying that the correct way? Yeah. I, um, on my dad's side, I am descendant from um, some back uh, two generations. Yeah, I am descendant. Not tribally enrolled with them, but yeah, I do have some heritage on that side. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, we come at this through, through your lens, through your, your heritage. You know, so when you're dealing with communities that have opportunity to come together, but there are fractures on the underside. Sure. How do you address that? So like as, as you know, are white people allowed to come to powwows? I'll just say it. Yeah, it's a great question. And in the beginning, when we first opened you know, our first forums, Back then, that was uh, we had that question come up, and still to this day, I, I you know I got an email yesterday, somebody asking me that same kind of question. And so, let me answer it two ways. First, powwows are open to the public. Um, powwows, they want you to come and be a spectator. These are cultural festivals, but they uh, they want you to come enjoy the vendors, you know, to go shopping, to see the dancing, to see the singing. They want you to be a part of it. it these are open festivals. On the right. other side, though, when when I first started doing powwows.com, it was, it was something we had to talk about and really decide. And uh, these early days in the, in the forums, I had moderators that really helped me do that. And we've always wanted this community to be open to everybody. We try to serve different audiences. So if we, if we have 
native people that are coming wanting to learn more about their heritage or feel connected with their tribe or other people that are powwow, we, we want to serve that. But we also want to be open to the people who are completely outside the culture and just want to know more. They want to appreciate it. They want to go to their first powwow. It, so it is difficult sometimes to serve both those. Some, sometimes there are frictions and, and rubs mm-hmm. between them. Yeah, that was, but that was something we, we discussed early on is how do we do that? And it, it continues to this day as, as a struggle sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, you're talking about some significant issues, some significant traumas and tragedies that, that divide people and create these divisions, unfortunately. Yes. Um, but it's cool that you're there to moderate that and, you know, keep your eye on the prize of, this is a great part of culture here on our soil in our country. And that's something that we can share together. Right. And for me, uh, somebody told me about a, a Jacques Cousteau quote. I'll paraphrase it. But the more you learn about something, the more you appreciate it. And the more you appreciate it, the more you learn, love it, and you'll respect it. So that has always been my approach to people that are kind of outside the powwow world is if we can share more about the culture even share a little bit more about some of the traumas, share a little bit more about what powwows are, they'll they'll appreciate it and maybe that will lead to a better understanding, a better respect. There you and, go. And yeah. maybe we can help bridge some of these issues and future generations won't have some of the same separation and differences that we have nowadays. Yep. That was the word that was right on the tip of my tongue. Understand it. Yes. Right? Like if that's, so maybe that's the takeaway here as we, as we get into the show is that if you keep, keep your eye on the prize of creating that, those moments of understanding with your members, right? I mean, if you create a community where everybody's a hundred percent aligned, isn't that more of a cult than a community? <laughs> right. Right. Like you're just going to have, you're just going to have differences of opinion. You have different ways to accomplish things. It doesn't really matter what we're talking about. But yeah, that, that message of understanding and respect, really important, especially today, more than ever. There's, there's so many external forces that are keeping us away from understanding and respect for one another. So it's cool that you've got that as part of your ethos. So, um, so you're active in the community and you have built your own community. I've also heard how you keep some of what you do private. Because people are looking for heritage, they're looking for family tracing. Um, yes. Tell tell us about what that decision looked like, and and how others might choose to differentiate using these different community tools. And we'll get into what all those are too, if you want to. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. What's your thought process there? Yeah, that goes back to my old V Bulletin days. And I, one of the things I love V Bulletin is you could have this big community with subgroups in it. You know, sub subtopics. And you could have different permissions and different membership roles in these different subcategories or whatever. So when, when we were building, you know, we started our Facebook groups. That was one of the things I, I wanted to replicate. And especially we have a lot of people that come to powwows.com wanting to know how to trace their heritage. And that is a big topic of discussion and it's difficult. And so we wanted to have a place where people could come and discuss that and share their journey with each other. And some of that is very personal. You know, if you want to be, you know, share some of your, your, your family's history, your names and things like that. And so I didn't want that to be an open 
public Facebook group. That is a some, that is a private. Uh, you, it's open. You know anybody can join. We we have a vetting process, of course. But um, the post, anything you post in there is is left in the group, and you can't share it out or anything like that. It is private. Um, just because we want to respect people's privacies and and let them sure. have these open discussions, uh, whereas opposed to we have a general uh, what we call Powwow Nation Facebook group that is completely open to the public. You can see anything you want in there because these are more generic topics and these where where we're not worried about you know, privacy and things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you started 25, 26 years ago. And along the way, what are some of the I'll ask it this way, what were some of the biggest missteps you took in building in building the community that is Powwows today? You know, I guess probably our biggest and I don't know, looking back, I don't know if it was a misstep or it was just circumstances of, of how things happened. But the first decade of Powell's.com, I concentrated on letting everything in Powell's.com was user generated. We didn't generate our own content. So we had a, a Powell calendar and all of the people that organized Powell's sent their information to us. And so all of that was generated by these groups, our forums, all user-generated content, right? We had a photo gallery. It was all people sending in their, their, their pictures. And that worked really great for us. And we probably put too much emphasis on just being user-generated. Because when social media hit and people, then mm-hmm. there was Facebook, Facebook did a better job of Letting people share their user-generated content, right? Than than V Bulletin did, um, or at least I still like V Bulletin, but that's a whole other story. Um, but it was easier for people, and millions more people were going to that. So all the user-generated gener- content kind of stopped for us, and then we had to figure out how do we continue this community aspect without, you know. You know, people posting a thousand times a day in in a V bulletin. Right. Where where do we go from here? Yeah. So so as opposed to being a content aggregator, right? You had to become a content creator. Correct. Yeah. That's a big shift. What were were there? uh, What were some of the ways you kind of got over that and, and and moved? Yeah. It it wasn't something that happened overnight. It was something that definitely took. It took a, a couple of years for us to figure that out. Uh, we probably hung on to the whole idea of being a V bulletin or a forum based site too long. But mm-hmm. in the end, it was people came. We had a, so we had two things really on the V bulletin. We, we had a core group of people that came every day because they wanted to enjoy the community aspect of it. They were friends. And so they wanted to interact. We also had a, Another side that were, are people that were new and maybe they only came and posted two or three times, two or three things, but they were looking for a specific set of information and they used our forums as a way to get answers to their questions. So it was taking that side of it, figuring out what these common questions were and started, we started generating articles and, uh, you know, blog posts and things about that side of it. And that became some of our first, you know, content that we started generating ourselves is what were people coming to the forums asking and how can we serve, serve that group in a different world? Yeah. Yeah. 
really smart. Funny you would say that because in between uh, my day here, uh, just before I jumped in the studio with you, I was uh, looking at some uh, YouTube videos for my retail business and, and coming up with those title descriptions and <laughs> realizing some content was good that we created and some content wasn't. Like nobody's really asking this question. So why are we going to post it? Right. Um, yeah. And, and I guess maybe that's my next question. Like, what is your barometer of content and like, what's that quality metric you need to see for you to put it up on your entities? Cause you know, this is a business, right? Palo right. is not a, not a charitable thing. This is a business for you. So what is that metric of what gets time and space and energy from your team? That's a good question. So for us, the business is, you know, the way we generate revenue is traffic to the website. We're our we're predominantly revenue is determined from advertising. So we we need page views. So for for me, content is what content is going to resonate the most, get the most reads, things like that. So and over the years we've played around with what the best valuable content is. You know, we we had some articles in the past that were not political, but a little more divisive or a little bit more on the side of um, uh, controversial type topics. And while those generated tons of traffic, it wasn't necessarily valuable traffic. It wasn't maybe the right mm. group of people we wanted. So over the years, we've kind of honed in on the, the type of content we want to create is any kind of content that's going to celebrate native culture, going to help people feel more connected with it, to learn more about it and going back to helping people appreciate this more. And so whether it's an article explaining something or, you know, whether we're, we're doing an interview or talking about a, a show like Reservation Dogs, right? Um, on FX, just ways that people can, uh, kind of feel that connection with the culture, whether you're native or not, right? And that's, so that's the kind of content that brings value for our community. And it did take a while to get there. Interesting. Yeah. So you have to find that balance. I, I mean, we all know controversy sells, right? Yes. Like it, yes. It, it sells in almost any aspect of life, whether you're talking about digital media, selling magazines, producing a book, making a speech. Um, but that finding that balance, that's interesting. So it's not just about, uh, so for you, it's that ad revenue displayed on the website is where you're, that's your revenue path. That's what I'm hearing. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. when we're generating content, we're always, you know, how are we going to get more eyes on the website that, um, you know, and then there's things we do that doesn't necessarily result in a, in a page view, um, necessarily, but is helping just generate, you know, making me people more engaged with the community. Um, but in the end, that, that is how we get our revenue is page views. Yeah. And, you know, you've touched on it. So it's a del, as I see it. It's a, it, and maybe for people watching and listening, they've got something they're passionate about. Uh, and they're connected to it through, it, you know, in your case, heritage, right? Descendant. Um, maybe they're connected to it in another way, belief system, feeling, you know, uh, pets and cats and dogs, right? Whatever. How do you take and overcome maybe that mental head talk of, how do I take this passion and make it a business without having people feel ill will towards me about it? 
Right. Because you've obviously balanced, you've balanced that for a long time, two, two and a half decades. Yes. It, and I tell people that in the beginning, it wasn't a business. So, you know, I, I kind of fell into entrepreneurship accidentally. When I built this, it was really just to, to build it and to share what I was learning. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really, we started looking at it more as a business as bills started happening, right? As we started getting, um, there, there were, you know, there's, there's money involved, right? As right. we worked and grew, we had to have a bigger host and things like that. Uh, so that was when we started actually looking at it as a business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. I think as people, you know, try to build out businesses, especially niche businesses, I think you have to, you have to come at it for something that you are passionate about, something that you want to share with others. And you have to figure out how, how you share that with others in a way that brings them together in, in a community setting. It, that's, that's how I feel about it. And if you can do those things, then, then maybe it can become a monetized business. I think so many people make the mistake now of trying to start these business, start these ventures thinking business first. And I think it's so important. You've got to think, how do you serve your community? What is the value you're bringing? Yeah. Then worry about monetizing. You know, if, if you're not going to bring any value to people, if you're just writing these generic keyword things that you're just trying to grab that SEO, right? And there's really not any good value in there for the people, then, then it's, I don't just don't know that it's going to last. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that word value gets, you know, uttered so many times on shows like this, right. you know, and it's not, not to insult you or anything. It's just, it almost becomes this like nebulous word. So I'll ask you this way. What does bringing value to your community mean for you and for them? For me, value is if I am, and I, we divide our audiences up into several segments, right? So for Someone that's outside the culture, if I can provide them with a way that they can find a powwow near them, make their first powwow or their second powwow experience special, like they go to this yeah. powwow knowing what to expect and, and what, and, and, you know, kind of how they can appreciate it, that's valuable to me. And those are for that segment. I love getting the emails from people that say, Hey, I just went to my first powwow this weekend and the email you sent me about what to expect to go into my first powwow really helped. And here's the things I enjoyed. You know, that's value. Uh, can people, I, can I there? Yeah. Yeah. What was, what's been, you know, and it, it might be hard to pick one, but those responses back, I went to my first powwow. I had a great time. Like what has been the most affirmative message back to you of I'm on the right path with this? Like what was the best experience somebody had? The ones that stick with me, those are really special, but the ones that really stick with me, and I can remember when we first started getting these messages and, you know, sitting at a keyboard, tearing up, reading these messages, is we do live streams of powwows too. And so when I have mm-hmm. somebody, uh, and, you know, it happened the first time way back in like 2005, 2006, that's serving overseas and they are feeling completely disconnected from their community, their family, their tribe. And they watch a powwow. And, you know, like one of the first ones we ever had is guy, you know, serving over in Iraq. And he writes and says, Man, I felt connected. 
I felt like I was there with my family and I saw, you know, I saw my brother dance. I saw my mother dance. Those stick with you. Yeah, that's special. That's special. Yeah. And it's special for twofold because it, it goes back to where we kind of started about how, how Native Americans are per capita very well represented serving our nation. That's and it's really fun. And I, you know, I get to work with some of the same people when I go to these powwows. So there's a couple of MCs that uh, over the years have have gotten texts from people too. You know, they'll, or they'll get an email saying, "Hey, I'm watching you," and you know, I'm I'm in wherever you know the Philippines or Afghanistan or whatever. And so I've got a few MCs that are constantly coming over to the computer and like, "Where are people watching from? What countries you got? You know, do you have anybody in this? Yeah." Um, so it continue. People see that and they and they want to know you know we get are we getting more of those kind of people so it's been fun. Um, those are those are ones that really will stick with for a long time. Yeah, that's that's very cool. You know, and you said something else, and I think it's always my job to circle back what our amazing guests. And again, thank you for joining me today. Share, and that's you bring value to various groups of people, and you split them up. So you know who you're talking to, right? Like we're, I, I, I didn't want to get into the show talking about, you know, this Facebook group tool and this specific tactic right. and then this software, because by the time somebody might listen to this, it might all change. Yes. Like I, like I know you had the privilege and honor and it speaks to your depth of work. You are one of like a dozen or so people invited by Facebook to expand the group's experience, correct? Yes. Yeah. Because of your expertise in this. So. I think a lesson here is be committed to your craft. You've been doing that for two plus decades now. Be committed to value. Be committed to servitude of your audience. And then really do the work of not just this, this kind of shotgun approach, but get very segmented and very focused on the value that you can place in different buckets for different people. Is that a I fair think, yeah. wrap up so far of our time? Yeah, you you have to know who you're serving before you can bring value to them, right? Uh, I, so many people miss that. And talk about community. I, I'm, there are so many you know tools and software things you can talk about, but I think one of the biggest missteps that people make right now with community is that thinking community is a tool or platform. Community is not a Facebook group. We have a great Facebook group, but that is not our community. Our community... I treat everything I do, whether it's a live stream, an email, a, an article on the website, or the Facebook group, I treat all of that as part of the community. And I and I talk to them in these mediums all as they are part of this bigger community. Community as a whole, not a vertical. Love it. I make these little notes as we go along. I, I forgot to clarify in our pre-show. Uh, I carve out little little moments, reels, right? To give to right. get back to to put back into my community, and uh, those notes are are little moments of value from our you know forty minutes together, however much time we spend together on each show. Uh, man, I love the way you think about that. Like you can't. So so really, what you're saying is you can't do one thing over here in the Facebook group, and then treat your email content entirely different, and treat how you present on your postings on social channels different and then have a different face on YouTube. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Every, no matter how they touch your 
your ecosystem, right? If, if maybe they're just a, a viewer on YouTube, maybe they just listen to a podcast episode. They all feel a part of your community. They may not have clicked join on whatever community tool you're using, but they, they feel it. And so if you, if you don't recognize that and don't treat them the same way that you treat everybody, then they're not going to, they're going to lose that eventually. So yeah, whether, you know, when I write some of my, my broadcast emails, emails that go out to the entire group, I, I, there's the weekly one. I put a little intro and I talk directly to them just like I was, if I was starting a thread in a Facebook group. Um, mm. I'm personal, I'm direct, you know, and so email is community, right? Cause they feel it on the other end. If you do it correctly, they feel like they are part of this bigger organization or this bigger, you know, group. And, but if you, and, and I made this mistake. I, when I first started building email, I didn't do that. I just sent out these, Last, and I felt like you know, when I really sat down and looked at it, I'm really, I was just shouting at people, right? You know, I was just, hey, mm-hmm. here's this article, go, go, go read it. <laughs> Wasn't making any kind of personal connections or, um, you know, or, or putting any kind of real connection in it. Yeah. It's funny you would bring up email blasts. I just had an exchange um, in an industry group um, about how sales reps just email blast out deals and specials. And, right. And the expectation is, if it's sent to you, you should reply. And I'm like, well, no, no. First of all, take, let's take a step back. I forget his name. Uh, you, you're familiar with the email CRM service, A. Weber, right? Yes. Yeah. So that the founder of that company is local to me here in Pennsylvania, uh, in the region, next county over. I forget his name now. It's been probably a decade plus since I've had contact in person with him. And he was in a small group presentation with me and he said, you know, I want you to think about email blasting, like having the most souped up Nerf gun pointed at you and you don't want to play Nerf gun wars. Right. And then that person just unloads, you know, 20 different Nerf, Nerf, uh, darts at you. That's what email blasting is. He says, so never say email blasting. Cause if you say it, you think it and then you type it. And nobody likes to get blasted, just like what you said. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, that, that holistic approach is so, so smart to not forget that the medium doesn't change how you treat your people. Yes, that's exactly it. And you're talking about email blast. I, I think an, another, like you're talking about just shouting out at people, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk has a book and I don't know the exact title, but it's like jab, 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 punch or jab, 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 right mm-hmm. hook or something like that. And it's, you have to deliver value, deliver value, deliver value. Then maybe you can ask them to buy something or to do whatever your, yeah. your conversion is. But, and that's so true in email. You got to give them value, give them value. Or not only are you not going to, you're just shooting Nerf guns at them, but forget having them reply. You got to get them to open it. And if you don't, if they're if they're not opening your email, forget even them replying yeah. or converting. They're, yeah, there it is. Jab, 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 right hooks. Yeah, exactly. Give them value. And yeah. Well, I mean, I think about how I treat email. I actually, you know, I'm in the midst of publishing my book, and uh, I kind of I sent it e. Hey, just check it in. I remember our goal together was to get this draft done so we could upload to get the the draft print copy 
uploaded to a service and sent back before we put it up to Amazon. And we're running up against that window. He says, Jeff, I sent that three days ago. It's so easy on your phone to just delete emails, file yep. emails. Not accidentally what I did. I accidentally put his back in his folder because I was, I just mental lapsed. But we also get in these mental patterns in these relationships with people on our inbox, people on our social feeds, the channels that we subscribe to and have lost interest in. So I'll ask this question. How have you found a way to kind of shock the water, if you will, shock the system in your communities to wake it up? Because I'm sure you have a little bit of, you know, there's, there's the ebb and flow of excitement and fatigue, excitement and fatigue. Right. How do you work through that? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things that, that I've found work for my community. One is, especially email and in our messaging, we talked earlier about knowing who our audience is and really serving different audience, serving different groups. And that is segmenting and we segment the email list. And so I have pre-built sequences for different groups. And mm-hmm. so I make sure when people, I, I give them different opportunities to get on our email list. And so we're serving up, you know, maybe it's a, um, an opt-in that says, uh, you've never been to a powwow. I want to go to your first one. I'll tell you what to expect. So I know what group is going to do that. And so as I continue to serve that message up, those people are doing that and I can, I can continue to engage them in a different way. Right. And that, so that keeps that, that group of people feeling like they're getting the right information. Whereas opposed mm-hmm. to maybe if you are involved in powwows, you're a dancer, or you're a singer, I'm giving them another kind of opt-in. I'm giving them another set of, of emails. Uh, another thing I do though, talking about energizing the community and getting, trying to do um, jumpstart things every once in a while. We do live streams. I mentioned that earlier. We, 15 or so times a year, we actually go to powwows and we stream them. Those are great community rallying points, especially some of the really big powwows that it kind of everybody circles on their calendar every year. And so those are moments that we can make sure that everybody on, on our, regardless of what kind of segment or what kind of, part of our community you are, we all want to be online and we all want to be engaged at some of these events. And so that really helps jumpstart it too. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so I asked you some missteps. We went over those. What, what have been some successes that, uh, I'll ask it this way, successes that you, you know, planned for and achieved and then successes that came out of left field and you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. Right. I, so I'll tell the, I can tell the story the first time we ever live streamed it, and, which is a huge success and not something we ever had on our radar. Uh, it was in 2004. Which um, 2004 wasn't all that easy. No, it wasn't. And my wife was actually pregnant with, uh, you know, pregnant with our daughter. And the, there was a powwow in Oklahoma called Red Earth. And the folks organizing that, I was friends with them. They they called me and it's like, hey, Paul, we want you to live stream this. I'm like, what? Can we do that? And um, they're like, yeah, sure. And they were into rodeo. And at the time, they're like, some of the rodeos we go to, they're live streaming. I'm like, okay, let me see. if I." So I had to figure out the technology. But then the other, and again, you know, you don't, I didn't even think this was, would work because of what was happening. I was in a wedding that weekend. The powwow was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I had to be, back in South Carolina to be in a friend's wedding on Saturday. 
So they flew me out Thursday. I streamed all day Friday, flew out early Saturday morning. I'm like, it's just going to be one day. Nobody's going to watch this thing. It's not going to work. We thought we were going to have technical problems. It was a huge success. Huge success. Wow. I mean, thousands of people tuned in. The first time we ever did it. Um, and the funniest, and this is how we knew that this, this would be something that would work. It was Friday at the powwow, and they had decided that year that the first part of the day on Friday would be the dancing, the singing. And then Friday night, they shut the powwow down and they had a, um, a, a native, um, native rock band performing. And so there was over an hour and a half, two hours, and all we streamed was people setting up chairs for the concert. That was some of the best engagement we had all weekend. The chat room went nuts because it wasn't about what they were watching. It was about that they were together. Uh, and so that was when you, it, we had no idea, right? And no idea that one, people would watch or have the techno technological ability to watch or let alone that they would actually feel engaged. So live streaming, never expected it. Um, and it, it still presents challenges, right? There's still, we still, yeah. we still struggle with equipment and things like that. And, um, we're, we're playing with different equipment right now, trying to figure out how we can do it better. But that, that is a huge, huge thing for our community. People love the live streams. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, in 2004, I can't imagine what you would have had to do to be somewhere in a, in a public. I'm guessing this was an outdoor venue. It was actually in, it was an indoor arena. And oh, it so was they, indoor. Did have, okay. they did have an internet connection for us. Uh, we were streaming using Windows Media Server. Awful. Um, it, it was rough. But yeah, we did. Yeah. And, you know, it was a little tiny box that um, I don't even remember how many pixels it was, but it was it was a little small, tiny box. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we're we're you know, comparative comparatively speaking, we're very blessed today with the technology. Yeah. How we're meeting today, how we're coming together right. today, right. it's like so simple. Like just click a web browser link and boom. Pretty much up and running, even if you haven't paid attention to your audio and your microphone and your camera, you're 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 pretty far ahead of the game. Right. Um, yeah, very cool. Um, so as we wrap up our time together, we'll, we'll kind of bookend our conversation thematically. So you had referenced, uh, and I haven't seen this show yet. Uh, I don't get a lot of time to watch television. Um, you said Reservation Dogs yes. and, and something that brought. Uh, brought uh, uh, eyeballs, I guess, interest interest to uh, Native American culture. I don't know the show, so I hope I expressed that right. Yeah. Um, where I'm going with this is uh, my wife, we watched Yellowstone, and there were, there, uh, there were episodes. If you haven't gotten this far, I'm not trying to spoil it for you, so please don't come at me in the comments or DM me that I ruined your Yellowstone experience. But there were uh, residential school scenes and episodes and uh, little sub-character plot lines um, around that. My wife was was fairly surprised. And I said, well, that's actually my grandparents. Uh, their mission work was to help the effects of that. Um, they were helping reestablish communities and bring communities back together in Red Lake, Ontario. Um, and so... I was, I was aware. So those shows, I would imagine, bring in a, a good amount of interest to the powwows community, right? Powwows.com. 
Um, so I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll kind of maybe wrap up this way. How, how can people help Native American culture or Native American peoples today? They get inspired and, and maybe the representation isn't great. Maybe the moment isn't the best reason to become inspired, but they're inspired all the same. And they do want to impact change in their own way. How can people do that? So I'll give you a few ways that I recommend people doing it. First of all, is when you see content like Reservation Dogs, or you even if you see the story that just broke last weekend, where a fourteen-year-old girl was tra- a fourteen-year-old Native girl was trafficked to a Marine barracks. When you see that kind of stuff, what positive or terrible, share it, engage with it, talk about it. It there are so many the missing and murdered missing and murdered Indigenous women crisis that's happening all across Indian country doesn't get talked about enough in mainstream media. So it's one of the best things you can do is spread the word about some of these issues. Reservation Dogs is an amazing show because they are tackling, same thing with Yellowstone, they are tackling some of these tragic issues, but they're also sharing parts of the culture that are extremely positive. They're they're sharing (laughs) native humor, which which is different. And they're letting people understand what it's like to live on a reservation or to grow up and to go to powwows. So share that content, engage with it. That's that's one of the best things you can do. Um, I, I interview a lot of actors and and people in in this space, and and one of the reasons I'm saying you know share it and engage with it is because when I interview these people, they talk about when they grew up, they didn't have, they didn't see themselves in. TV, or they didn't see themselves in movies or as a book author. Now, all of a sudden, we're having shows like Yellowstone and Reservation Dogs and uh, Brotherford Falls and some of these other. I mean, there's a ton of these shows that have now come out. And so, this next generation of Native youth that are now seeing them, they can see themselves on TV. What are they going to do, right? So, if we continue mm-hmm. to share and, and make the, grow the awareness of this, we're helping that next generation really, really open the boundaries. It's going to be limitless for them. If you want to get involved in and like help make a financial contribution, there are a number of organizations I would recommend. Um, and one of those is uh, the American Indian College Fund does a great job of working with Native youth and helping them uh, earn college degrees. That, that is extremely important. Again, helping that next generation. Um, there's a an, and don't have their name off off the top of my head. Um, uh, there are some missing and murdered Indigenous women charities. Um, MMIWUSA.org is one of them. The National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. Those are great places uh, if you want to make financial contributions to help with that tragedy. That that's another way you can get involved. But again, a, a really another easy way to do it. If you want to help and become involved. And make a difference. Go to powwows. Go to these events and and buy. Right. If you see a, a vendor selling some things, buy their goods. Shop native. We we have a whole thing on our website. Shop native. Support these local businesses. These small um, these small vendors. These small entrepreneurs. That, that goes a long way again to helping these folks. You know, continue to to be able to sell and travel and do all the things that they do. So those are a few things that you can do to to really help and make a difference. Very good. Very good, man. I like that we got to talk about that and, and share those resources because 
it's one thing to have your website, but it's another thing to to have you be attached to those you know bigger umbrellas, those those other movers to to help your culture, to help the community. Um, I wasn't aware of that poor fourteen year old girl uh, involved in trafficking. That's one of those things that is just uh, very very problematic for society and certainly uh, for that young lady. It's very sad, but. I'm glad that you were able to share those resources. And I'm so glad you're able to spend time with me today talking about how you've built this community. I love what you're doing. And we didn't even get to talk here about your other sub passion, Star Wars, <laughs> as we as we got a couple minutes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, there it is. At the so main. What, what was it about? What, what was it about Star Wars for you that like just gets you lit up and connected? Oh, I saw my first Star Wars movie at a drive-in. Uh, you know, A New Hope back in 77 when it came out, laying on top of a friend's station wagon with the, you know, the speaker, uh, right. We had our sleeping bags and we laid out on the top of their, their car and watched Star Wars. I remember going the next day to Kmart and buying my first figure, you know, um, what was I like six, seven years old at that point. Um, so Star Wars to me was my childhood and yeah, there we are. That was this past weekend, um, at galaxy's edge. So, I mean, it was those that first kind of feeling of, of of a story taking you to another world and really connecting yeah. with characters, and yeah, I, I love the fact that we now have an an growing Star Wars universe. I felt like I went a void for decades without any new Star Wars material. So I'm loving being in this this new world of all this content. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, I'm glad you had that experience. It's very cool, and thank you for bringing. Uh, great experiences to your people, uh, creating those connections. Um, as Paul said, if this is of any of interest to you, please, please hit up powwows.com, jump on his list. He'll walk you through where to go to your first one, what to expect. He'll relish if you go and then email back, like, I had an amazing time. Here's what I learned. And please go and, and plan to support the people putting it on and support the people connected to it. Shop native through, uh, is that a domain or is that on your website? Shop native, uh, powwows.com slash shop native. Yes, we have a whole directory of native owned businesses. Yeah. So maybe you can't get out of the house. Maybe travel is difficult right now. You can go powwows.com slash shop native and, and support people that way. Uh, time, talent, and treasure. That's what we've all got. That's how we can all impact one another. And uh, in one of those three ways, I'm sure that you can help uh, and connect to uh, the Native American culture in your region and your neighborhood. Paul, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Really appreciate you pouring into my listeners and sharing uh, sharing your tips on how to build a really great community. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for stopping by. Everybody else, have a great week. We'll see you next time on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a 
big ticket life. My big ticket method shifts you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now, accept this gift, book your call, go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.